All right, I'm going to start out with a little bit of a challenge, and then I'm going to end with an even big challenge. I know that's not very Christian because we know that Jesus never challenges us, right? He never challenges us to up our game, but I think he is, but he's going to equip us in a very unique way. Um, part of how I, I sort of operate is I have a sense of where a church is going, and then I'm, I'm always, always reverse engineering, going, God, what do they need to go forward in what you have for them? It's just, I'm always like that, always like that, always have been. It drives my family nuts. You know, that's really great, but this is what you got to do to get there. You know, and so I, I really believe um, 2023 and beyond is going to be really hard. It's going to be really challenging. This is not a doom or gloom thing. This is just an application of what Jesus promises. He says, as things go forward... Evil will get eviler. That's a paraphrase of many things that Jesus has said. The darkness is going to get darker. The light will shine brighter, but it's going to be harder. It doesn't mean that we don't stand up to it and all, but it's, it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder to follow Jesus. It's going to get harder to advance the kingdom. It's going to get, it's just going to get harder. Feeling encouraged already? You're going, dear God, it was hard for me to get to church today. But it's going to get harder. But because we're Christians, we don't say, they go, oh, it's going to be harder. It's like, okay, God, if it's going to be harder, how do you want to strengthen us? That's part of the Christian life. Instead of, I'm, I'm not being mean to anybody in particular, but like, oh, no, oh, no, there's darkness there's evil. And there's Jesus sitting there going, <clears throat> I happen to be God and I'm with you. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It will ding you, but, but I am with you and the light will push back the darkness. Have you ever just thought about life like that? Oh, my husband, he's such a, he's just such a spiritual poof. What am I going to do? You know, he's not a good leader. He doesn't love me the way he should. You know, he's a good guy. Oh, what are we going to do? And Jesus is gone. I can do some stuff. I can strengthen you so that you can help this guy. Maybe, maybe pray for the guy instead of telling him just how inadequate he is. I mean, this is, God always has strength for us to meet the future that he brings to us. Always, always, always. Sometimes, though, the strength, the way he wants to strengthen us, we'd go, I'd rather you not do it this way. Anyway, I say all of this to start with just a couple comments about Joshua chapter 1. And I I talked about it in in Sunday school. You guys call it Sunday school, right? It's still Sunday school. Or Bible class. Well, that thing that happens before this thing. And I was reading it, and you know, God's sitting and telling Joshua, you know, the old ways don't aren't going to work for the future, and uh, you need to prepare now to go ahead. 
He, ref- you know, he, he, he refreshes the promises. He encourages Joshua. Hey, listen, there's going to be battles, but I'm going to be with you, and we're going to win. I mean, it's incredible. It's encouraging. And then he goes, you know, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I mean, and it was a word for the church, this church. And I just remember reading this going, this is absolutely incredible stuff. I mean, who wouldn't want God to speak to us saying, listen, it's going to be hard, but here's how you prepare to go forward into opposition and to challenges. You're going to advance the kingdom. You're going to win, but it won't be without a battle. I mean, that was really exciting. But then I remember just reading this thing going, Joshua got that in prayer. He got that in prayer. It blew me away. Everything that Joshua received, the encouragement, revelation, impartation of strength and courage, he got it during his prayer time. And the other thing I thought of is that this wasn't a one-off thing. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, in times of crisis, that's when I pray. But everything else, you know, as long as things are okay, manageable, I don't pray that much. That wasn't Joshua. Joshua had a regular, established, meaningful, life-giving connection with God when no one was looking. How do I know that? When he was mentored by Moses, who had a pretty good prayer life, he would sit in God's presence, Joshua was with him. And when Moses left the tent... Joshua stayed. Why? Because he noticed, hey, you know, Moses got a pretty good ministry. What's his secret sauce? Oh, it has nothing to do with his experience. It has to do with his connection to God. Man, I want that and then some. So he stayed later. And that was the beginning of a prayer life that set the stage for God downloading that kind of stuff for Joshua. So I'm all excited about that. I had revelation. I think I'll preach it. I think I'll teach it, which I'm doing. And in the middle of my excitement, I'm writing notes. God goes, so how's your prayer life? Dang. I mean, I think it's okay. How's your prayer life? And I realized God was not making me feel small. He was in the process of sort of challenging me to upgrade it. And I know enough that if God wants me to upgrade something, I usually have the wrong idea of what the upgrade should look like. You know? So, it started me on a journey. I'm, I'm in the process of letting God teach me how to upgrade my personal, private prayer life, my relationship with Jesus. And I started off with this scripture. Either this scripture is true or it's not. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Everything... We need for life and godliness comes through our experiential knowledge, another, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about that. His divine power, God's grace, everything we need for our lives and, and godly living, everything we need for life and godliness comes through our personal, real-life 
relationship with Jesus. Now, either that's true or it's not. I think it's true. You know, if only my kids were a little more obedient, then I'd have more peace. Well, that's probably true. But there's a kind of peace that Jesus gives you that surpasses all understanding, and you can have peace in the middle of storms. It's everything we need for life and godliness actually comes through our relationship with Jesus, okay? So I'm challenged with that, and I had absolutely no idea what this had to do with upgrading my prayer life. And then I had an aha moment. Every important relationship is healthy to the extent that there's ongoing, authentic, open communication. This is true of good friendships. This is true of marriages. (laughs) It's also true of our relationship with God. We know God loves us. We go to Him with our needs and all. But how's the communication going? You know, for me, I've, I've learned this really from my wife. My idea of communication, let's talk about something to solve a problem. That, that's me. When I'm around my wife, we, you know, she's really smart. She helps solve problems. But another thing she does is, oh, it drives me nuts. She just talks about her day. I go, yeah, yeah, and the point of this is. But it's, she's, she's just sharing her day. And I used to think, all right, I'll put up with this. And then I realized, oh my gosh, she's sharing her day. Maybe I should just share my day without any particular point. And here we are. We're just jibber-jabbering, talking about this and about that, that. And my gosh, we're closer. How does that happen? And sometimes her idea of communicating is to stop talking. No, I'm not going there. And just hold my hand. And we just sit on the, on the back porch. She just holds my hand. And sometimes she's seeing, she hums Gaither songs. <laughs> you know, and my relationship with her goes way beyond getting my needs met. My relationship with her goes way beyond solving problems. My relationship with her is enhanced when we just talk about stuff. And the more we learn how to talk about stuff, she's actually the point to say, hey, Ben, I know what you were saying, but the way you said that was really harsh. And I used to go, well, I had to be harsh in order to be heard. That's how I... And, but now I'm going, mm, thanks, honey. You're right. I didn't see that. So I started... Re- ongoing communication is helpful for every relationship. Maybe ongoing um, ongoing communication with Jesus is the same way. And I think it is. Our prayer lives, the time we spend in the presence of God, reading our Bible, talking to Him and all that, that is foundational. If we don't have that, our relationship with Jesus will almost always be simply transactional. I have this need, please help me. That, nothing wrong with that. So I'm going, God, are you actually wanting us to develop that relationship? I mean, I'm going, really? Is that crazy? And then he just reminded me, he says, <clears throat> I sent my son to die for all your sins 
so that I could have relationship with you. Hello? Yes? I don't want to just get you into heaven. I want relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is actually God's will. I'm just giving my progression. So it's his will. And then I realize God, in his really cool way, he's challenged me to upgrade my communication with him, my relationship with him, my prayer life. Now, at this point, I've lost 90% of you. You're going, oh, geez, Louise, I can barely squeeze in, you know, ESPN. But I want to share some things because God wants to strengthen us through our relationship with Him so that when we go into the future where things might get a little challenging, we'll be able to go forward from a position of strength. This is not some cheesy, God just wants to be with you, sit on daddy's lap, you know, just I love you. No, no, no. Everything we need for life and godliness comes through our interaction with him, not our idea of him. So, how do we rise to this challenge? How do we do it? First, just ask. Say, God. Teach, teach. I don't even know how to upgrade. What do you want me to do? The reason I know that we are encouraged to ask is that the disciples, when they followed Jesus, they saw his life, they saw his character, they saw his personality, and they saw the fruit of his ministry. They saw what his life was like. And I, I, don't, I don't know any places where they go, Jesus, would you just show us how to raise the dead? Would you show us how to get in the face of the Pharisees? Would you just show us how to do that? They didn't do that. But after a while, they, they, connect, they connected the dots. They realized that Jesus' secret sauce was his prayer life. So they go, hey, Jesus, if you don't mind, would you teach us to pray? And of course, Jesus loves answering that prayer. And he, and he said, okay, this is how you pray. So, if you want to rise to the challenge, don't sit there going, I'm, I'm no good, I don't like prayer, I don't have time. Just stop. Before you start building up your excuses, just go, hey Jesus, right where I'm at, would you teach me to pray? Would you lead me and guide me so that my personal, private relationship with you can be upgraded? You ask that first, and then watch how God Starts answering that. Here's the second thing. Pick a time during the day that you can fairly regularly pray. Don't set hours. Just set some time. Just set it. Commit to it. Unplug. And just set that time. And then, you guessed it, actually start praying at that time. And just keep on doing it every day. Oh, that's so legalistic. No, it's not. Any good habit worth developing requires us some grit your teeth repetition. There's something about going, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. I mean, we know that if we really want to do something, even if it's difficult, we'll keep on doing it. You know, if you want to lose weight, 
you know, you don't, you don't just go, oh God, deliver me from all these pounds. Just go. Maybe you didn't hear me. And it's like, Lord, I want to lose weight. And he goes, okay, change your diet. And then do a little exercise. And guess what? And you, on the front end, who wants to do exercise when you haven't done exercise? Who wants to change your diet, you know, when you like a lot of things, right? But you start doing it, you just keep on doing it. After a while, there's just a momentum. The more you commit to just talking to God, reading your Bible, just talking to God, and making your requests known to Him. You don't have to be spiritual. Sometimes you don't even have to open your mouth. He hears the cries of your heart. Just set time. Say, all right, I want to learn how to talk with you. And just keep on doing it. The more you pray, the more you will pray. This is an amazing thing. And the third thing, and this is what I want to really lean into, identify hindrances. Because rising to the challenge of upgrading our prayer lives, it doesn't come without some speed bumps or hindrances. So I just want to talk about some of these things. You know, when I go through all this, these hindrances, I realize, oh my gosh, most of these have been me or still are me. Still are me. Grammatically correct. Anyway. Here's the first hindrance. It's the hindrance of anxiety and busyness. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Just follow along with me if you'd like. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was busy with all the work that had to be done. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And this is Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are anxious and upset about many things, not just this situation. <clears throat> you are anxious and upset about many things, but there is only one thing, in one translation, there's only one thing that's essential. Another translation, one thing that's needful. Um, there's only one thing that's absolutely necessary, absolutely foundational. And Mary has chosen that right thing. Jesus was not criticizing Martha's servant heart. He wasn't criticizing her diligent, responsible service. He, wa he wasn't saying that Martha was doing things that were unimportant. He wasn't doing this. What he was addressing was the condition of Martha's mind and heart, her anxiety, her worry, her emotional turbulence and stress. And he wasn't condemning her for the condition. He was diagnosing it. He was pointing out that the condition of her soul actually took her away from what was fundamentally important. The fact that she was all kerflumped. Is that a word? I'm sure it's Norwegian. Right? Kerflunk. You guys have some of the weirdest words. Anyway. The fact that she was all in turmoil was sort of a kind of evidence that her relationship with the Lord wasn't as tight as it could be. He wasn't criticizing her. 
I believe Jesus was challenging Martha to make her anxiety and her busyness work for her, not against her. I think he was challenging her to use her anxieties and burdens as reasons to come to him. I think Jesus was challenging Martha to upgrade, to prioritize her prayer life. Like, I understand where you're at. See what Mary's doing? You know, keep on doing what you're doing, but as a lifestyle, why don't you start start establishing the necessary thing, and then when things get tight, you won't blow up. And Scripture actually bears this out. In Isaiah 26.3, it says, uh, we are told that God will keep us in perfect peace as we focus on Him because we trust in Him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we are exhorted to take our burdens, our anxieties, and even our busyness, come to Jesus and surrender them to Him because He cares for us. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus' words couldn't be more clear. Come to me, all you who are like Martha, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sort of clear. Prayer life is not something we do after we get over our anxieties and our busyness. Actually, we take our anxieties and busyness and use that as a reason to talk with God. Jesus is utterly convinced that He is the answer to our stress, our anxieties, our burdens, and our busyness. That's why He's challenging us to upgrade our prayer lives. Here's another hindrance. This hindrance is the hindrance of unworthiness. You can look up the story in both Luke uh, chapter 8 and Mark uh, chapter 5. But here's the backdrop. And I, I've been like this. Sometimes I go, well, I know I can come to God for prayer. And in times of crisis, I will. And, you know, that, that, that. But I know my life is really far from perfect. And I don't feel good enough to be able to establish an ongoing relationship with Jesus. I I just don't feel good enough. So I just sort of, that abiding sense of not being good enough, like I really don't know how to pray well, or sometimes when I pray, I start thinking about, you know, the Giants beating the Vikings in the next playoff game, and that just, sorry. Uh, I'm just hoping. Anyway, I've lost you again. Uh, but sometimes that the challenge, God wants to upgrade, wants us to upgrade our prayer lives. You go, yeah, but I'm not really good at that. That's unworthiness. Before you use that as a good excuse, there was this guy called the demoniac. He was isolated. He was miserable. People would try to help him. Nothing could help him. He had self-destructive behaviors, and he was carrying demons, right? He was having a tough day, tough life. And then he saw Jesus, and he started going toward Jesus, and he kept on going toward Jesus. Imagine what was going on in his head. I'm going toward Jesus, but what the heck? I'm a mess. I'm a broken mess. And most of it is my fault. 
I am not worthy. I'm sure that if I, if he lets me get near him, he'll look and go, sorry, you're too far gone. That, that's what people who feel unworthy, that's what they bring when they come to Jesus. Add to the fact that he's packing critters. He's demon possessed. And the demons, you know what they're telling him? What are you doing? He's holy. You definitely are not. He's the son of God and, and you are a mess. We live in you. He can't accept you because we own you. What's interesting is he took his thoughts, he took his ideas, he took his torment, he took his past, and he dragged those things to Jesus. If anyone ever had a serious sense of unworthiness, it was this guy. But he kept on going. I'm not telling you to suck it up. But what I'm saying is, this whole thing is an illustration of the gospel. Hear me out. In Hebrews, we're told that because of who Jesus is and what he has done, we can come to Jesus just as we are anytime we want, as often as we want, receiving mercy and grace in our times of need. We don't have to fix ourselves in order to come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and he fixes us. Our issues do not disqualify us from engaging Jesus in prayer. They're actually, our issues are reasons for engaging Him in prayer. They're opportunities for us to press into Him. We don't have to be worthy to upgrade our prayer lives. We just have to be determined to do so. Because of the Gospel, each and every one of us are able to drag our issues, our unworthiness, our sin. We can. I mean, there's no obstacle. Jesus isn't going, get cleaned up, and then we'll let you in. Because of the gospel, you can take yourself as is. The hindrance that i gotta, I got to make myself better in order to come to God, that's a hindrance that the gospel has double-tapped. It's just blown it away. We can come. And we can upgrade our prayer life. Here's another one. The hindrance of sin. Hopefully you guys know this. Yeah, Deep down as Christians, we know that we will, as we walk with God, we'll be challenged to mature, challenged to change. And we also are very aware that our ideas, our opinions, our ways of doing things, they have the potential to conflict with God's. Have you ever noticed that? It's just, he's got his way, we got our way, and so as long as there's no conflict, things are fine. But things get really uncomfortable when his way conflicts ours. Have you ever noticed that? I'm, re- I'm reading more than I ever have because I think what I wrote is better than whatever I could say. <laughs> um, things get uncomfortable when our ways, our, our values, our wisdom, and our wills actually conflict with God's. When this happens, we know we will come face to face with a choice. Keep going our way or surrender our way to His. When we choose to embrace His ways over ours, God starts changing us, equipping us, transforming us, and our relationship with Him deepens. 
What does that have to do with upgrading our prayer lives? A lot. We all know God is love. As we develop a persistent, consistent prayer life, we will increasingly experience His kindness, His acceptance, His presence, His wisdom, His peace, His love. That's guaranteed. We come into His presence, we'll always experience His love. God is love. God is also light. God is also light. When we come into Him in prayer, there may be times when He shines light, His light on certain ideas, attitudes, behaviors um, that may displease Him. He may point out areas of idolatry, worldliness, rebellion, pride, unforgiveness, malice. I mean, He turns the light on. He doesn't beat us over the head. He goes, hello, do you see this? We don't like that feeling when God shows us areas in our lives that we'd rather Him overlook. And we'd rather avoid the cost and the inconvenience of doing things His way instead of continuing in ours. And here's the result. We pull back. So we pull back. We resist coming into the light. We avoid getting closer to Him. Our preference for our sin becomes a hindrance to growing our relationship with Him. It gets in the way of our communication. And this is unfortunate. Darkness is not our friend. Neither are the things that are hidden in darkness. Sin left unaddressed never brings life, ever. It actually increases our felt distance from God. God doesn't shine His light to condemn us or humiliate us. When the Lord points out something, we can deny it, defend it, excuse it. We can even run from Him or we can stand our ground and confess it. Just stand your ground and confess it. We can unflinchingly agree with God's view of our ideas, God's view of our attitudes, God's idea of our behavior. We can just do it. According to 1 John, when we sincerely confess our sins, Jesus will beat us over the head, roll His eyes and go, I can't believe I died for you. No. He will forgive us and then He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He starts changing us. Our relationship with Him gets enhanced. There's less between us and Him and the conversations are much better. An upgraded prayer life is not a prayer life without sin. It's one, hold on here, where we are eager to have Jesus search our hearts eager to have the Lord shine His light on our sin. We're eager though, not because we're gluttons for punishment. Oh God, show me how bad I am. We're eager because we have confidence that surrendering revealed sin will actually bless us and not harm us. Our sin is no longer a hindrance to our upgrading our prayer life. It actually motivates us. It actually presents us with opportunities for us to deepen our conversation with Him. 
Isn't it where those hindrances we can actually use as motivation to rise to God's challenge to upgrade our prayer life? I only have two more. I'll do this as quickly as I can. I th- I'm just going to speak in tongues and believe that God will interpret. No. There's the other hindrance, and this is the one where, if I'm not careful, this is probably where I'll settle most of the time. It's the hindrance of our comfort and our will. I'm just, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs that I wrote. They're so good, at least to me. Guard against the idea that Jesus is so kind, so gentle, so patient, that he would never challenge you, correct you, or ask you to make sacrifices. Guard against the idea that you can rise to Jesus' challenge without it costing you something. Loving your enemies or forgiving those who hurt you, it does not come cheaply. Saying no to compromise and yes to holiness is sometimes painful. Meeting regularly with God is often inconvenient. If we don't rise to the challenge to upgrade our prayer lives, Jesus will still love and care for us. He will never leave us or forsake us. But we'll miss out on the incredible blessings of rising to his challenge. Upgrading our prayer lives will cost us, but the price paid will be more than worth it. God says he rewards those who earnestly, diligently, consistently seek him. I want those rewards, and I think you do too. I have frequently told my children, they could probably lip sync this thing. I've told my children that I'll know what they actually value by watching how they pursue what they say they value. I really want to do this. I go, okay. Are you going to practice? No, I just want to do this. You really don't want it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I have seen them set their will resolutely on something that they deem important. Even when they encounter hindrances, even when they're not as successful as they'd like to be, they persevere because their goal is worth it to them. Upgrading our prayer lives can be like that. If we see it as important, we'll get after it, little by little. Even if we're not great at it, or we hit some speed bumps along the way. God is challenging us to upgrade our prayer life. At bottom, it's really a matter of the determination of our will, isn't it? Now here's the last hindrance, which really isn't a hindrance. I know what this church has gone through this year. You guys aren't weenies. You're stout. You're Christians. Tough. You endure. But you're tired. There's a tiredness. Not a weakness. There's a tiredness. And the idea of, look, I love God. I want to upgrade my prayer life. But dang, tired. (laughs) You want me to determine my will? I'm just sort of tired. I'm wore out. Anybody know someone who's just a little tired? 
a little wore out, and the idea of God saying, now do this, and things will get better. How many of you are tired? All three of you. Thank you so much. The picture I had was this, and this is how God's going to leave us. Have you ever seen like sod that's got good deep roots, good soil, but there's been a drought? And it gets a little brown, right? We're just seeing that, and then a nice spring rain. Just a little drizzle, not a, a storm front. It just goes like this, and all of a sudden, you, you can, if you sit, sit outside long enough, you can see the brown thing start turning green. Well, most of you guys are just lying. But why don't you just stand up? Because the fatigue thing, God really is serious about challenging each and every one of us to make time and to persevere and all that. He's serious about it because he wants relationship. He wants to strengthen us for the days ahead. All right? But he won't just say, go do it. He'll equip us. If you just stand, I want to pray that God will bring like that spring rain right in the middle of January. <laughs> okay? Lord, Lord, there are many of us who are just flat out hurt. A lot of us who are, who are just sort of like paddling to keep our head above water. We're doing all that we know to do. And just, just the idea that I got to upgrade my prayer life, it's like I don't, I don't have the wherewithal to do that. I am emotionally, spiritually tired. Lord, for every person whose heart's going, yeah, that's a little bit me. God, I ask that you would pour out your spirit. That you would start a season of refreshing for each and every soul here. Where they don't have to do anything. They don't have to go to you. You'll come to them. And you will start pouring out your spirit, strengthening roots, bringing life and motivation so that you give them what they need to take next steps to upgrading their relationship with you. God, this is a praying church, but I really believe, God, you're challenging each and every one of us to upgrade our personal prayer, prayerful relationship with you. Because everything we need for life and godliness comes through that. God, would you do that for us? Continue just sprinkling your spirit on every person here so they have what it takes to take next steps. Amen.